Taking things to the extreme. Kevin, are you ready to get hardcore on Reverb Rewind? I'm, I'm ready to get hardcore. I'm ready to get a little extreme. We are um, a one night stand, if you will. Oh, hey. Um we just a little here's a little tidbit for, for anyone that doesn't listen to us frequently or that does. Me and Kevin did not grow up in the ECW era. So, um, I guess you could say, Kevin, ECW really wasn't, uh, not nostalgic, but it wasn't our thing as a youngin. Yeah, we were, we grew up, we're about the same age, we grew up in a time where, you know, we were a little young for ECW. Yeah, it was a little bit too intense for us when it was, you know, hip and cool, we were too young. But of course, (laughs) we love wrestling and we've watched... So much ECW as we've kind of grown up, especially as I've gone in, like, in my teenage years and that, that was what I was watching was ECW. Um, so, you know, we put out a poll as we normally do for Reverb Rewind and I was pretty confident that uh, One Night Stand was probably going to win. <laughs> I think that's pretty safe to say. Um, yeah. Um, I, it's a popular pay-per-view for a reason. Yeah. And I'm not surprised. Uh, there were some good choices up there. NXT TakeOver Toronto, uh, especially. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I, I kind of knew One Night Stand was going to win. Yeah, I was pretty certain as well. Especially when st- people started getting on the bandwagon of it and like, yes, let's let's tackle this. I'm not mad at all. I rewatched this show yesterday. It is a... um. It's so different to anything that's really on our screens now that... I mean, I've watched the show plenty of times before, but I haven't watched it in years. Um, But we'll get into that in just a minute. Um, We'll just do a quick little rundown of this week in wrestling, of course, before we get to our rewind. And um, I think the thing that's on everyone's mind, especially at this time of recording, um, and when you hear this tomorrow on... um, Reverb, uh, wrestling reverb on Brainbuster Radio. Um, John Moxley kind of let the uh, world know what kind of went down in his days in WWE and what kind of ultimately led him to not renew his contract. Um, it's at this point, um, it's everything that we thought is going on with uh, with uh, John Moxley is. Pretty much all true. Um, I listened to the Talk is Jericho podcast yesterday. Um, Kevin, you we kind of briefly chatted about it before we started recording. You've listened to it as well. Um, yep. It's pretty intense. It is. It's so 
it's so visceral. It's so gripping. Um, and it's just it's, it's an honest man's accounting of his time in WWE, and he didn't really pull any punches. He was like you said in the pre before we started the show in our little chat. You said it wasn't cruel, and it wasn't cruel. That's a good. That's not the way it was. It was just brutally honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. Uh, it's pretty. You know, when we read things on the internet. Um, I don't know about you, Kev, but everything, especially about wrestling, I take with a grain of salt. You never really know what's true, what's not. Um, But with this stuff, I was actually on the thing of, like, this can't be true. It's almost too, not silly, just just too obscure to be true. But I guess uh, he kind of confirmed it straight from the mouth himself. He, He said it's the stuff about Roman he did not like. The weird promos where he was getting the shots and, um, you know, wearing the gas mask and that. And he basically, for anyone that hasn't listened to the podcast, um, Talk is Jericho, um, basically he said that they all come from Vince, which is, um, I mean, we always make jokes about, oh, this is a promo straight from Vince, but I mean, I don't know, that, that place is in, um... It's just a bit of a shitstorm at the moment. Yeah, Vince is slipping, man. He's slipping. And now we, we've always known it. We've always suspected it. And we do make jokes about it, as you alluded to. But now we know. Now we know that he's scripting some pretty... Terrible. Uh, terrible. Pretty. Yeah, I was searching for a word. <laughs> terrible is a good one. He, he He's scripting some real shit. Yeah. And yeah. it's just not it's just not good. And Ambrose, you know, I'll give him all the credit in the world for just doing it and going through with it because he could have walked out, but he chose and stuck it out, grin and bear, grin and bore it, and now he's in a better place. Yeah, no joke. Um, pretty, uh, you know, I don't always attack Vince. I don't always like this is a Vince problem. This is that because obviously Vince has done so much good and he's had so many good ideas but his track record lately is not good and you know there's got to come a time where everyone kind of realizes that maybe he's not the best in that role anymore um but hey i don't think that man will ever step down i think that man will be in that role until the day he dies to be honest um i don't think anything changes until then something needs to change though because um, in October, um, AEW aside, uh, Vince has got a big deal with Fox, and I don't think Fox will accept crap, to be honest. So, um, it's gonna be interesting. It's just interesting. Um, but anyway, yeah, there was obviously that. Um, we haven't had a chance to talk about Double or Nothing, um, on terms of a podcast, we haven't shut up about it in DMs and on Twitter and stuff like that. But, um, Kev, what do you think about that show? Because, damn. I really liked the show. I expected to like it. And I think I had very high expectations, maybe more than were than was reasonable. But they met at my every expectation, honestly. There were growing pains. There were little hiccups, mainly on, mainly on the production side because the wrestling was top class. Mm-hmm. 
but the, the production was good, though, for a first-time show, a first-time promotion. And the wrestling more than covered for any any little glitches there were. I, re- I don't think there was a match I didn't like. Yeah, I agree with you completely. It's now keeping the momentum. It's going to fight for the Fallen, then All Out, um, and then TV, and, and whatever comes next. But, damn, they're setting the bar very high. I... Honestly, I'll I'll be honest with you, Kev, and everyone listening. I didn't know a lot of the talent on that show outside of the main ones because I mean, I'm very much you're the same. Um, we're very much in a WWE bubble, but we are casual fans of everything else. Um, so I knew some of the names and stuff like that. I was like, I, I've heard of this person, heard of this girl, woman, or man, alien, whatever. But um. It is pretty, uh, it was just everything, everything just captivated my mind. That six-woman tag match, oh my god, I I really didn't think about that match too much. I'm not going to lie to anyone. I was not really like, oh, I'm really excited to see this match. It was just, I happened to be watching this, and that just captivated me. I thought that six-woman tag was pretty incredible. <laughs> Yeah, that was the match I had the most uh, reservations about, I guess, because I didn't know any of the talent involved, and I, I just wasn't sure. Uh, it didn't have the name brand that most of the other matches had to some extent, but damn, did they, damn, they delivered. Uh, and I, 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 can't, I hurt my, you know, I'm chiding myself for even doubting the six women in that match because they killed it. Yeah, it's just, I mean. Everything on that card was just spectacular to me. Um, the Battle Royal. Obviously, that's the first ever match we're seeing in AEW's existence. And it had everything in that match. There was a little bit of comedy. There was stars. There was um, cool spots. There was everything. There was a table, for crying out loud. Um, it was just... <laughs> it had old stars like Billy Gunn and... and some familiar faces like Sean Spears, Ty Dillinger, whatever you want to call him. Um, it's just, I don't know. I just really enjoyed that. If there was, I, I mean, for me, I know who the person I'm taking away the most, and that's MJF. My God, I, I've fallen in love with that man. That man is a, <laughs> just, wow. He is just incredible at just every, every little detail. I had heard of him before, but I hadn't really seen too much of him. Um, he kind of was the one that I kind of took away from all of the experience of AEW just in terms of, I'm going to like that dude a lot because he's just a jerk. Um, who did you take away with it at AEW? So MJF is probably the biggest takeaway. I agree. He, I, I, I knew of him because he came up through a promotion on Long Island that I, I had the fortune to follow, uh, create a pro. So I got to see him from a very early state and see how he's grown. And I'm so impressed with him. Other than MJF, just for the sake of being different, a guy that a guy that really stood out to me was Luchasaurus. Everyone said uh, that. In the, battle, <laughs> in the battle royal, he was so good. A lot of those guys in the battle royal were guys that I had not seen before. Yeah, same. guys like Luchasaurus. Orange Cassidy was terrific <laughs> in his little spot. My sister loved him, and she was like, "Oh my god, he's amazing." <laughs> I was cracking up. That was the first I'd ever seen of him. And that was the first I'd ever seen of Luchasaurus, but he looked so good. I remember 
at the beginning of the match thinking this guy is going to be like a quick out, like look at him. And by the end of it, I was like, this guy deserves to be in this last three or four. Yeah. Um, I was was just pleasantly surprised because that was my biggest concern with AEW. I was excited for Double or Nothing. I knew the main matches would deliver, but I was like, outside of that, is it going to keep my interest? Am I just going to be on my phone for this entire pay-per-view outside of these main matches? And I wasn't. I, I was genuinely into everything. I thought, um... One thing that I have even said to you, I believe, Kevin, is that their women's division is not something I'm very keen on. There isn't any... Like, I, to me, I didn't know really anyone. I've heard of them, but I hadn't known them. I was like, I'm not... There's no stars to me. And then that four-way was really good. Britt Baker is phenomenal. Uh, Kylie Ray is really fun. Um, Nyla Rose. And then you had um, Awesome Kong in it. And I was like... Yeah, okay, I'm not sour on the women's division at all anymore. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Double or Nothing was my first exposure to Kylie Ray. I think she might be my favorite women's wrestler on the planet. Wow. I love her. I love how bubbly and energetic and just she's so much fun. She's like a better – she's like a, like a more vibrant Bailey. Yeah, obviously the comparisons are going to happen to Bailey because they're both huggy and smiley and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, she is great. I think I think Britt was the one I took away from the most in that match. I think Britt's probably what the division at the beginning will probably be built around, I would assume. Um, I mean, yes, she got the win in that. I'm not just saying it because she got the win. But she does have that um, marketability. You could you know, put her on a poster, which I believe she was the only lady on the Double or Nothing poster. Um, but I, I think that's who you start to build that division around. But um, it's certainly not an issue to me anymore after seeing that match. Um, I'm definitely excited for all of AEW. Jericho and Omega was great. Cody and Dustin was just a brilliantly told story within a match. Um I, I loved everything. I, I, Moxley showing up. It just was the perfect a perfect formula for a show. There wasn't too many hiccups apart from the ones you stated. So um, I'm just excited to get to fight for the Fallen. We'll keep the momentum rolling. That's the next thing. Can they keep it up? Which I think they can. Um, but I, I think they can keep it up. What I'm interested to see is how well they hold our attention in the interim, in the meantime. That's mm. what I'm looking forward to. That's going to be key. Because, yeah, okay, it's only a couple of months, but that's 60 days. That is 60 days where there sits. That's 60 different days where so many things can happen between now and then. And, yeah, okay, absence makes the heart grow fonder, but at the same time, if you're not around, you can get forgotten really easily in this day and age with our short attention spans. It's almost yep. like, meh. Okay, I've seen that. I don't need to see it again. Not not for me personally. I'm excited, but as a whole. Um, but, man, you can only have one first show, and if you want to have a first show like that, um, there's really not too much crap you can really say about that. Um, but segueing off into crap, um, Raw this week was shit. And I don't ever just say it's downright shit, but it was shit. Yeah, Raw was Raw was tough. Um, I like the Ricochet Cesaro match. Uh, if I could pull any positives from the show, 
that was it. Rollins Zane was out. was like pretty good, but I by that point I was pretty much checked out. Oh yeah, I try to find so many other things I can do um, during Raw. SmackDown was SmackDown's never bad. It's never fantastic, but it's never bad. No, it was very average. It's just in the middle. It's just it is the better of the two. Um, if I was going to cut out, if they said you can watch Raw or SmackDown, I'd be watching SmackDown every week. Um, it, it just the flow of that entire show was just so off. Um, they didn't have any wrestling on that show for 45 minutes. Like, it's a wrestling show. And when they started wrestling, it was, what, it was Shane? It was Shane versus... Lance and Noah. Yeah. And it was, like, three minutes long, and then... It's just... I don't know. It's just silly. It's just... It's not good... Listen, if you don't want to have wrestling on the first 45 minutes of your show, okay. I can deal with that, but entertain me for those 45 minutes. They had a three-segment beatdown of Xavier Woods. I don't know. It's yeah. just is that's just a little bit extra for me. I don't need a three-segment beatdown. I don't need to have four commercials and have the same thing on come back. Just you know, it's just silly. Why why do that? But listen, I'm so far gone out of that at the moment that I'm just like I don't even I don't even care. I just the only thing that's keeping me interested in WWE at the moment is the twenty four seven championship. Yes, Sami Zayn. Um, uh, that's there's not really much else to be honest with you. I love Sami. It's not the I love a lot of people there, and I want them to do well, but they're not getting opportunities to do well. And every time someone gets a little bit of momentum, they cut them off. Look at the Iconics. The Iconics had momentum coming out of Mania. They were starting to get a little bit of steam, at least in my eyes. Unbiasedly, I was looking at them and going, they're starting to get reactions. They're starting to get a little bit extra time. And they're doing nothing now. They just lose every single week to a random tag team. That is not how you should build any tag team champions, regardless of whether I like the Iconics or not. You don't yeah, and that's if they make champions. it under- that's if they make it onto TV at all. Like they really drop the ball at the women's tag belts, the tag division. Um, they don't really seem to have anything for them. I think they'll. I think they'll hold the belts for a while just because. Yep. And that was my kind of issue with the women's tag team championships. Um, beginning, I said to you, I, I wasn't really keen on women's tag team titles because WWE will not use them correctly, and. I mean, I'm not trying to say that I'm right. I'm, I'm definitely not going on that at all. But they haven't. They haven't used them in the way that they should be. It just the championships, not even the people surrounding, they have not built those titles to be any... Why would you want them? What, so you get the tag team titles and then you're off television? Like, I don't... I wouldn't personally want that. Um, but I ain't going to harp on about it too long because... Let's let's get into Reverb Rewind. We're going to hear from one of our Brainbuster family members. And when we come back, we will get into ECW One Night Stand 2005. Hey there, this is Wilford from Wilford Watches Podcast, and you're listening to Wrestling Reverb. Alrighty, let's get things underway here on Reverb Rewind. Let's take things to the extreme, as one Paul Heyman would say. Kevin, what 
kicked off ECW One Night Stand 2005. All right, so the very, very top of the show, you have your introductions, you have the voice of ECW comes out, Joey Styles. He uh, hypes up the crowd. This this crowd is unbelievable. We'll, we'll, I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on that a bunch throughout this <laughs> this podcast. And then full, he introduces Mick Foley as his broadcast partner, another huge pop. And then we then we launch into our first match, which was Lance Storm with Don Marie versus Chris Jericho. Now this this match was so it was good. It was very good. The beginning especially was super hot. Mm. The crowd was hot for it. And I know people sort of have a tendency to look at ECW as like this hardcore base. You know, everyone's just doing table spots and chair spots and lighting shit on fire. But this was such a great pure wrestling match. And ECW did really good with great pure wrestling matches. Yeah, ECW to me, um, it had that, you know, the blood and guts kind of fan base. But I think, at least in my eyes, those people that love the hardcore deathmatch style, you know, light tubes and cheese graters and everything else, fire and barbed wire, also respect professional wrestling in its core. They pre- they really respect the the in-ring bell-to-bell inside those, inside those ropes action. And I think that's what ECW, in my eyes, looking at it kind of now, they did that best. They did the complete opposite of that blood and gut style was pure wrestling and people like Chris Jericho, Lionheart, um, Lance Storm, uh, uh, Eddie Guerrero, uh, uh, Chris Benoit, you know, the list goes kind of on and on. Um, they had technical, some of the best professional wrestlers we've ever seen in the world started in ECW, well, not even started, but they came up through ECW in, in the yeah, late they made 90s. Their- they made their bones at ECW. Yeah, they went on to WCW or WWF at the time. Um, but yeah, this match, Lance Storm, Chris Jericho, um, just pure wrestling. And it was nice to see Jericho kind of allude back. It was This whole show was just nostalgia turned up to a thousand, really. A lot of people had their old looks and, and whatever, and it was very... You know, it was in the Hammerstein Ballroom. So it was very New York. Like, it was very... Uh, it just had that that feel that you watch ECW now on the network or on old DVDs or VHS tapes, whatever you have in your library. Um, you watch that and it, it just feels very, lack of a better term, it feels very raw. It feels very yeah. real. Um, I kind of, ECW, obviously when they started, we know the story of ECW just through documentaries and through the time that has passed, we've heard the story so many times. They obviously didn't have a huge financial backing, so they had to kind. Of, they used that to their advantage because instead of trying, they couldn't compete with the production value of a Nitro or a Raw. So they kind of went bare bones and had it look very, um, not homemade. That's not the word, but you get what I'm saying. They had it look very contrary to them and. I, I kind of like that feeling. This show, although it was, you know, WWE's production value, it still had that look. It still had that feel. Um, but this match, it only ran about seven or eight minutes long. It wouldn't have been too much longer than that. Um, so it, but it was very much that pure wrestling style that ECW had. Um, 
I, 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 I'm a fan, obviously, of Chris Jericho. Um, Lance Storm is someone that I don't think we've ever talked about on this podcast, but Lance is just, this is just going to sound like I'm underrating him, but he's very good at wrestling. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lance Storm is terrific. His problem always, I think, was his emotions. Like, he didn't really have much of a, a, a range of, of facial, uh, facial features and emotions. You could, you, they even make a joke about it during the match uh, on commentary. The Lance Storm is really good, and Jericho obviously Lionheart Chris Jericho, which I thought was cool, very good. They did a great job, and yeah, only it was a short match, but like, there weren't a lot of long matches on nope. this card. That's that's pretty ECW. Yeah, you know, you, you it flies to. by. You yeah. really didn't you know, need to. And um, uh, hey, here's something about Lance Storm. I remember when they were running that. That thing in WWF, or WWE it might have been even at the time, um, he was running around and he would come out and his thing was, if I could be serious for a minute, and he would say that and people would go nuts. It was great. I, I just, because <laughs> he was just always that that very bland reaction on his face, but he always just come out and say, if I could be serious for a minute, and then people like, you always are, you stupid idiot. Um... But yeah, this match was just perfect. I, I think, honestly, perfect way to start this show. Yeah. Got, it gets you into it. You have you have the wrestling. You do get a little bit of the ECW hardcore style towards the end when Justin Incredible interferes. Uh, absolutely skulls Jericho with the yeah. kendo stick. That Man. was a tough shot. And we'd see plenty more tough shots throughout yeah. the night. Oh yeah, but yeah, this is a great way to open the show. Um, I don't think I, I think this was the the right match to open up. Yeah, so of course Lance Storm um, got the victory over Jericho in this one. Um, what do we have next? Moving on to the next one. So the next little segment, um, short, but we went backstage to Gary Wolf, who had the the DCW in memoriam. Guys like uh, Big Dick Dudley. Rocco Rock, uh, the original Sheik, and of course the late great Chris Candido, uh, got people that couldn't, people that were ECW to the core, but sadly couldn't make it. You know, they, they weren't alive to see this show. Yeah, and it sucks. There were that there were a decent amount of names on there that guys that died young. Yeah, that's kind of. Uh... Not something you can really avoid, especially in wrestling. A lot of people do die um, very young, and it, it's sad. But I guess it's life. But yeah, there was a lot of names on um, the ECW In Memoriam kind of little thing they had, and they didn't get to see this show through, which is a bummer. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad to think about because they poured their blood, sweat, and tears into this business, into this promotion, and it... The last, the lasting image they'll have of it is, is bankruptcy, and they didn't get to see how cool this this one night stand was. Yeah, um, I I agree. Um, what did we have next in our matchups? All right, next up, back to the ring. We got a three way dance, not a triple threat, a three way dance. Three way dance, which means it's one. It's not one fall to the finish. It's an elimination-style three-way featuring Tajiri, 
Lil Guido, known to WWE fans as Nunzio, and Super Crazy, who made his way into the WWE at some point, as did, as did Tajiri. A little international flavor for this one. Uh, Lil Guido came out with the entire FBI. Tajiri came out with Mikey Whipwreck and the Sinister Minister. A lot of a lot of shenanigans outside the ring. A lot of brawling. A lot of uh, interference. Um, the single spot in this match that stood out probably to everybody was m- super crazy. Moonsaulting out of the balcony onto the FBI, the full-blown Italians. Wild spot. Oh, Dios mio. It was, uh, I wrote that down, too. Yeah. Oh, Dio- oh, Dios mio. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Joey Styles with that, oh, oh my God, that oh, Dios mio. Um I, I, that is something that will always stand out to me. The first thing I always think about on this show, I don't know why, is that spot and Joey Styles screaming, oh, Dios mio. Um, so I'm glad you, I'm glad you, uh, did that justice because I was not going to. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> definitely paid, I definitely paid careful attention to Styles commentary throughout the night because he, he's one of the best and his style is so different than most people and it fits ECW so well. He's frenetic. He's fast paced. He's up and down with his voice. He's right in your face and that fit ECW because that's what they were. They were right in your face, high paced, frenetic energy that, and it just made sense to have styles there, but his commentary throughout the night was on point. There was one thing actually I didn't like, and we'll get to that later, but, uh, for the most part, he was rock solid, and Foley was there, and he did a good job doing his part. Didn't really need to contribute much, but Styles used to work those ECW shows on his own, so yeah. I figured I, he didn't necessarily need a, a color commentator. No, he didn't, um, but I think that was more of a WWE uh, decision probably than anything else. Yeah. Because um, one-man booths, I could imagine, would be incredibly difficult. It's, it's hard to talk to yourself, um, but... Nonetheless, I, yeah, you're right about this match. It had a lot of interference, a lot of stuff. The spot was super crazy doing that moonsault. Um, but it was f- still fine. I still enjoyed it. It was very different to everything else on the show. It was a lot of fun, for sure. There were a lot of great spots. Um, and the three great wrestlers, Tajiri, Lil Guido, and Super Crazy, just vying it out in there. Uh, Lil Guido was eliminated first, so we got the Tajiri Super Crazy one on one spot. Very good. Super Crazy ended up winning the match with a trio of moonsaults. I love the way he does it with the uh, off the bottom rope, the second rope, in, and then there were some shenanigans, and then he hit it from the top rope for the win. Yeah. That's a really cool sequence of moves. It's very visually pleasing, and he hits them so well. Yeah, he does. And this match ran for about six minutes. I've got the times here. It's six minutes and 12 seconds. So, um,. You know, it, again, sometimes it's it's not about the the quantity of a match, I guess. It's about the quality. Um, and it's not about the length. It's what you do in those six minutes, I guess. And again, to your point, very ECW style. Nothing is too long. doesn't need to be. They did their job in six minutes. Yeah, absolutely. They took care of business. It doesn't feel like a six-minute match because there's so much action jam-packed into it. Yeah, not too really much more to say on that. What was next up, Kevin? So next up, there was a, a little, uh, they, they tossed it backstage again to a an ECW, they didn't toss it backstage, they tossed it to a package, an ECW retrospective. 
And all I wrote down for this was that this shit was crazy. Yep. Because they just had some, they just showed some of the unbelievable moments from ECW history right from the start to the end. And it just blows my mind that some of the stuff they were allowed to do. Yeah, I don't know how they got away with it. I guess it was a weird time in the nineties, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah, there was. Yeah, they just they didn't play by anybody's rules. There were no rules. There, there literally wasn't any rules, and you know what? It would not work today, and it's it is what it is. But that that exact formula, that exact style, would not work now. I don't think. No. But hey, what do we have up next? Up next, some lucha action. We got two guys that did make their way to the WWE, two guys that were familiar with audiences, one in particular very much so. Psychosis and Rey Mysterio. My guy, Rey (laughs) Mysterio. Glad he gets the win. Probably my least favorite match on the card, which is saying something because I liked it. But, I don't know, something like, again, it was also short. Yeah, it was 6 minutes and 22 seconds. Yeah, I thought the ending was a little abrupt, too. It was, yeah. But, for the most part, some cool spots. Uh, Psychosis hitting that guillotine leg drop while Ray was la- laying on the guardrail was cool. Yeah, um, it, there was still some cool stuff in it. Again, I'm probably with you. It was probably my least favorite match of the entire show. But that's not really... That's not knocking it. It's just... Out of everything, if you had to rank it, I guess I'd put this at the bottom. But, um, obviously we know these two pe- well, especially Psychosis, hello. Um, no, um, we know Ray, we know Psychosis, so, I mean, it was still fine. And again, it didn't feel like six minutes, it, it did feel longer than that. Yeah, this one, while it didn't feel like, I, like the first uh, two matches felt like they were much longer... This one felt a little longer than six. I'm not surprised that it was six minutes. Uh, and it's just, it was a short show, like you said. It was, it was not a long show, and there's not much to say about it. Mm. It's just that you know you have two two luchadors in there. They've had better matches in the past. Oh yeah. I think I think I've seen something where like Ray wasn't happy with this match because I don't know they didn't really get to go all out, but you know it was still very passable. Oh, yeah, it was still fine. It wasn't a bad wrestling match. It was just... Eh, it was okay. Um, it was in the middle of the card. It, it was... I don't know. It just was what it was. Still cool to see Ray on this show. I'm glad he got a spot on this. Yeah, and I love seeing R- Prime Ray, even though he's still just as good now as he was then. He looked good. You know, he was moving so well. And back in, you know, 2005 is when he was starting to heat up. He led to the world title run in 2006. Just really good stuff from Ray and Psychosis, who, you know, a team went super crazy later on as the Mexicals. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, well, I guess there's not really much more to say on that. Ray got the victory. Um, but uh, what's next up? So next up, arriving to the building, to much fanfare, the SmackDown Crusaders. Hmm. The locker room <laughs> empties. We got guys like JBL and Kurt Angle. Those are the main two from SmackDown leading the charge. You get promos from the both of them. And what I noticed about these promos from from Kurt and JBL 
was that there seemed to be a lot of real life animosity, and especially on JBL's part. Yep. And I have a feeling J. I don't think JBL was big on ECW, so I'm not surprised. But he and Kurt both just poured their hearts into running down ECW and these fans. They they relished in it. In fact, they loved running down the fans. Oh yeah. A couple yes. good there too. And the fans gave it to him too. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Some some chants you just can't repeat. Some ch- right, some I'll, I'll repeat them. Shut the fuck up was one. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you suck, Dick was another one too. Yep, uh, I think that was. I think that was one. I know. I you always hear shut the fuck up. They um, th- they did not hold back. Those New York ECW fans, uh, they don't give a fuck. <laughs> no, they're absolutely nuts. They're nuts all show for you literally suck every. Dick was one. Thing. Now that I'm thinking about it, you suck, Dick was definitely one. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it was because Kurt Angle responds with "Your mother taught me how." Ah, yes. Ah, yes. Good little, good little backhand from Kurt. Good work, Kurt. I uh, appreciate. I know Kurt's listening, of course, because who doesn't listen to this? But um, like, good work on that one, Kurt. Um, yeah. Kurt, listen, this what this show is extreme. We're getting a little bit uh extreme with our choice of words. So uh, in in the in the. In the words of an ECW audience, what would I say? Would I say, get the fuck over it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Or just like, you know, <laughs> shut the fuck shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to be like this every once in a while. Because I have a potty mouth. You know this from talking to me in DMs. <laughs> yeah, I, I always, I try, I strive to not get too dirty on the air. Oh, I don't either. I, there's some words that I'll never say on here, but um. Uh, Sometimes they slip out, you know. This is a, you know, parental advisory. Oh yeah, we'll, put, the nice, we'll put that nice stamp on this uh, episode. Don't worry, this show is yeah, extreme. Yes, perfect. <laughs> All right, before perfect. we move on to uh, the next stuff, we will hear from one of our Brainbuster family members. We'll be back in just a second. Hey guys, while Josh is gracing you with his gorgeous Aussie accent, and Kevin is blowing your mind with Grats talk. Just remember to start your week right every Monday by checking out the wise owl of professional wrestling, Omega Luke, right here on Brainbuster Radio. Alrighty, Kev. After the SmackDown Crusaders were told to shut the fuck up, what was next? So next, uh, you had RVD come out. Rob Van Dam coming off of knee surgery, unable to compete. Which you got which is a bummer for everybody involved because Rob Van Dam was ECW more so than almost anybody. With especially their in the later years, especially going into the end of ECW, he was kind of one of the guys. Yeah, and he was so talented, and it just sucks that he didn't get to compete on the show because you could tell he really wanted to. Yeah. he cut a really long promo, really passionate promo. Uh not much to really pick at. Just all you know. Thank you. Thanks to the fans. You know how how far he's come. How long it's been. Yada yada yada. Pretty standard, honestly. Yeah, RVD then, was never really to me a promo guy. I loved RVD as a kid, to be honest. As, you know, two thousand three, uh, four, five. I loved Rob Rob Van Dam. He was one of my favorite. Um, wrestlers really growing up at least not so much now i kind of look back and i'm like rvd wasn't as great as i remember that's not a knock it's just um he i don't know i i think it was more so as a kid i loved him and as an adult not so much 
I mean, I still, I'm still a big fan. His ECW work was incredible. Uh, he had some great matches with the likes of Sabu and Jerry Lynn. But anyway, back to business. As RVD is finishing up his little promo, he gets blindsided by a rhino, by one rhino. Mm. And then, before he, Rhino could even capitalize on his assault, the lights go out. The crowd knows who's coming. Styles plays it up like he doesn't know what's going on. He thinks they lost power, which is probably a problem back in the old ECW days. But nope, it's the homicidal, suicidal, genocidal, death-defying Sabu. I'm glad you nailed that, honestly. <laughs> oh, I'll never forget that. I love Sabu. Sabu's never. Sabu is um. Uh, what? How would I say? Sabu is um, very talked about. <laughs> Yeah, people not always in the best light. Yeah, people have some opinions on that guy. In ring work, yeah, out of the ring work, has... everything. Yeah, he always and he definitely his his, uh, his Twitter work is less than satisfactory. Mm. Mm-hmm. Definitely not a good Twitter guy. Probably mm. should be probably mm. should be held to some repercussions. But uh, yeah. you know, we're not here to talk about Twitter. No, we're not. We're Twitter about... wasn't even a thing in two thousand and five. Yeah, and if it was, they would have loved him. <laughs> as they love him in the ring. That's true. Hell, there's, there's people today that love his Twitter work, and those people are probably bad people. <laughs> not to judge, not to cast, not to cast stones. You know, I'm in a glass house. Oh Jesus. Um. Okay, let's get to this match. <laughs> Sabu taking on Rhino. That's where we're at. <laughs> That's where we're at. And Sabu's got RVD in his corner, as well as my least favorite human being possibly on the planet, Bill Alfonso. Damn. <laughs> he blows that whistle and it drives me up the wall. <laughs> he, it wasn't so bad here, but the last pay-per-view I watched of ECW was Heat Wave 98. And he came out with RVD and Sabu because they had a tag title match. And he just was incessant with it. It was oh, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah he, it is annoying, that... If I had a whistle here, I would not blow it just because, hey, in the words of the ECW audience, Bill Alfonso, shut the fuck up. Absolutely. <laughs> so the match, the match was very good. It was short as well. Another six and a half minute match. They, One thing I'm noticing looking at the match times here is that they were all pretty, like, you could tell that none of them went too long. Nope. Because they're all right around the same time. Yep. <laughs> Literally, Ready? like the first... Four matches are within Four a matches minute window of each other. And then the last three matches are within a minute of each other. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it is weird, but it's, it's good planning, I guess. Yeah, hey, they timed it well. Um, I enjoyed this match. It was actually really quite good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sabu, he's, he's hit or miss in the ring because those chair spots are very easily botchable. Oh, yeah. But he... Was flawless in this match. In this, I thought him and RVD had worked at this point a lot of times. They would know each other like with their eyes closed. I think they could probably wrestle each other at this point. Yeah, honest to God, Sabu and RVD just a couple of ring vets. Rhino too was there in the old days of ECW. Was yeah. the last ECW World Champion. That's right. And he did his part to make this match look really good. But at the end of the day. Sabu wins with that Arabian face crusher through the table. It was nasty. Absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. I literally just wrote down holy shit for this yeah. because 
everything was pretty high spotted. Yeah, it, it um, uh, it um, like you said, Sabu is very hit and miss, and but when Sabu hits something, it looks good. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Is like when he hits, it's crazy. When he misses, he's one of those guys that like he gets to botch and no one really cares. I've noticed. Yeah, like it is like that. Honestly, with Sabu, um, and also he has really cool music. Oh yeah, duh. <laughs> but yeah, he I enjoyed this match. Him and Rhino. Yeah, it was RVD fun. paid homage to uh, to the original Sheik at the end of the match. It was very nice. The little point up to the sky. It was it was a good. It was a really just one of the better matches on the card. Yeah, yeah, and that's and it's tough to again that you could literally pick any any one of these matches could have been match of the night depending on who you ask. Yeah, that's true. Um, kind of leads into kind of the next match, but what's up next on the show? Well. We get out of snow for a brief, for a little bit. And talking ahead, shows another little ECW video package, which includes the spot from Heatwave '98, which like literally shocked the hell out of me when it was taboo or taboo. It was Taz. Taboo. That's mm, that's different. It was tab. It was Taboo Tuesday. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no, it was ta- it was uh, Taz and Bam Bam Bigelow, and they literally they literally went through the entrance ramp. Mm. If you remember that spot. I do. I remember. It was crazy, crazy, crazy. It was crazy. Just two hosses just putting each other through shit. Yep. <laughs> you can't ask for much more. But anyway, after the video package, here comes Eric Bischoff. Here comes the Raw guys. They're here. They're here. They're mean. They're ready to go. They're lean, looking for a fight. They, they ascended the balcony. Uh, guys like Edge was there. William Regal was there. The coach was there. Uh, Gene Snitsky, which I think was a weird choice, was there. Yeah. It was like, he has more terrorizing things to be doing. <laughs> Snitsky. Um, it's just... The crowd, again, were uh, very vocal. They didn't hide their feelings on especially Edge and Eric Bischoff. My lord. Yeah. Definitely made some comments about Edge's uh, girlfriend, Lita, that were unsavory. Yeah, they uh, called her some some names. (laughs) Um, She she might, I don't know. uh, (laughs) um, That was the time, what, 2000, that would have been just before Matt got back? Or was that after? I think it was before because when I th- otherwise I don't think that when Heyman cuts his promo later and we'll talk about it. Oh yeah. When he mentions Hardy, it gets such a reaction that I feel like he's probably gone at the time. Yeah, I believe it probably would have been just before, if not a, just yeah. a couple of months before. But um, there was a lot of those references to one edge, um, from the crowd, um, and and leader. Uh, it was a uh, again. ECW audience in New York, very vocal. They do not hide their yeah. feelings. I appreciate it, to be honest. Oh yeah, for sure. It's it's uh, it's the hottest crowd. You might, that's not this show might have the hottest crowd you'll ever see. It's arguable. It's definitely up for debate. Um, but what was up next on our card, Kevin? 
right, so after everybody died down and everyone got, you know, their fill-in, shitting on the Raw guys, came back to the ring, and we had Chris Benoit taking on Eddie Guerrero in a, tech, in a, a technical wrestling fan's wet dream. It was – fuck me up. It was very good. This match is very, oh, yeah. very good. Let's just uh, take everything away from Chris Benoit and take it from what he is. And nonetheless, uh, everything that happened, you know, towards the end, um, probably, in my opinion, the best in-ring technician I've ever seen. He's up there for sure. He's very Dude, good at wrestling. <laughs> He's just very, very flawless. good. That guy, I don't think I ever seen that guy botch anything. And if I did, he didn't let me know that it was a mistake. He, yeah. he was just he, Oh, he very cleaned good. it up so well. If he, oh, if yeah. he ever did, you know, if he missed the headbutt or he was doing something like he still made it look good. Benoit was just very good. And to be honest, it is a shame what happened at the end. It's a big tragedy and, and I'm not like, Again, I'm just focusing on what he did in the ring. It'll never be... He'll never be in the spot of anyone can't really look at him without going... Even I am trying to clarify myself because it, it, you can't just look at him for what he was in the ring. It, all those other thoughts come into play. and But trying to just look at it in the ring, um, like I said, I really don't think I've seen anyone better than him technically. No, I would... I. I'd be hard pressed to uh to disagree with you, man. He really was like the real deal in that ring, and he had a you know partner across the ring from him and Eddie Guerrero, who was just as good. You know, maybe not maybe not just as good, but he was right there on that level too. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I get you. Um, this match though, looking at this match, um, my God, it's just. Oh, it is very good, and it's arguable that this is the best match on the show. Well, from a wrestling standpoint, I think it is, but again, that's subjective, but um, him and Eddie are just... Eddie's great, and it is sad that both of those guys are no longer with us wrestling-wise in terms yeah, Eddie of... Yeah, Eddie would pass away like six months later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's just a it's very a good match. <laughs> It was a good match, very technically, very technically sound. Going back to sort of the Jericho Storm match, you know that style of wrestling, hold counter hold. Eddie got busted open a little bit. It was actually the first blood we'd seen on the show, but I don't think it was. I think it was the hard way uh, on his nose. Yeah. yeah, this match was good. Uh, it it was definitely uh, probably the best technical match on the card. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't really say much more than that. It, it, yeah, it is. Benoit went over. He beat Eddie by uh, submission. The match ran about 10 minutes and 30 seconds. Um, it was, it, like I said, just technical. technically wise, I think it was the best on the show. Um, from two of the greatest in-ring technicians, well, at least I've ever seen, and that we'll ever see, too. You know, I don't think we're ever going to see people on this level. No. Wrestling's different now. Wrestling is different. Yeah. yeah. And they come up through the ECW ranks along, and then, of course, uh, 
WCW, WWE, um, both former world champions, um, just two, yep, two of the best, there's not really much else to say on that match. No, honestly, God, it was, it was, it happened, it was good, you know, there weren't, it's tough because this show didn't have any real stakes to it. No. And no storylines, so it's a, lot, it's a little bit harder to discuss the show than it is for any other regular pay-per-view because it was just, literally, it was a one-night stand. It, it was just one-off. It was. Uh, they had another one the year after, but it was a very different premise of the show. Um, yeah. But- this one, this one was, uh, it was, yeah, it was WWE produced, but you couldn't tell by looking at it. No, it was ECW show, whereas the second one-night stand to me was a WWE one night stand almost like it and was after that Scott it was basically just the WWE show with ECW in the name yeah the the one the next like in 2006 was they had a couple of really good gems on that show um oh yeah the main event was fantastic yeah and Edge Foley Leader versus Dreamer Funk and uh Beulah McGillicuddy my god yeah. that match is brutal it's a match I've watched a lot of times because it's just, it's pretty damn extreme, not to use the term, but, um, anyway, what was next after Benoit and Guerrero? So this dude whose name I didn't catch, I think it was Joel something, Joel Gertner, maybe, um, comes up to the balcony, wants to interview Eric Bischoff, (laughs) begging for a job, and Bischoff just shoves him over. Cuts the same basic promo that, that JBL and Kurt had cut already. Basically just running down the fans. They ran him down as well. As per usual. Not a lot to really get into there. The next match was uh, Mike Awesome versus Masato Tanaka. This was my personal favorite match. I just thought these guys, were, they've, had the, they've had a feud forever. They are both so well worked with each other, and Mike Awesome could do some things that you don't see a lot of heavyweights do. That is true. He um, this match was good. I enjoyed it. Um, I was never really a fan of Mike Awesome personally. I just didn't really like him, but nonetheless, he could do what a lot of guys his size couldn't. So, I mean, not to knock his talent at all, he was talented. Yeah, no, I, he was very talented. And Masato Tanaka was, too. He took those chair shots to the head like Ooh. an absolute champ. Oh, they were in, um, they they were a uh, bit of a bell ringer, I would assume. <laughs> yeah, definitely cleaned his clock a little bit. Oh, yeah. That clock, that clock kept ticking, though. Oh, it did? He didn't back down. <laughs> no, he literally, like, embraced them. It was like, reminiscent of Hulkamania, almost, where he just gets hit, and he's like, yeah, pump me up. <laughs> yeah. No joke, but Mike kept hitting him. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, I really like this match. I thought, I, I thought it was a bunch of high spots. I, I thought it was high the whole time. Didn't really come down at all. No, it didn't. Uh, it was about 10 minutes, the same length as Eddie Guerrero and... Uh, Benoit was, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was a little around, shorter. Yeah, a little shorter. Right around 10 minutes, which is all it needed. And it just was really good. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. It was, like you said, it was very high intensity. It was on that same level the entire match. It didn't really break pace too much. Um, and I liked it for that reason. Absolutely. 
Uh, what do we have up there? Mike Awesome actually. There was one thing I wanted to touch on, though. Ooh. Remember earlier in the show when I was talking about Styles' commentary, Ooh, and yeah. I said there was one thing that I didn't like? There was a line of commentary in this match that just never sat well with me. Okay. And okay. it still doesn't sit well with me. After Mike Awesome did his first suicide dive, Joey Styles' line is, and I quote, Suicide dive for Mike Awesome, and it's a shame that he didn't succeed in taking his own life. That's so bad. Like, it's a, it's a clever line, but it's the implication is ter- especially since Mike Awesome did end up taking his own life. Yeah, he did. I, f- I actually genuinely, like, remember that, that now that you're talking about it, I'm like, oh, he did say that, and Mike a- Awesome, that's what happened. Um... That being said, I mean, it's hard to really say too much because it is a pretty intense line. Yeah, it just uh, it just never sat well with me, and I just I, I noted it. Just want to talk about it, just because you know that's that's nothing to joke about. No, uh, it's an epic. No, I get you. I am I, I very much agree. It's nothing, especially the events that are uh, occurred after that. That uh, time, so I mean, yeah, he he probably feels bad about it. Honestly. Oh yeah, like, he that, would. That's that's just the line that he could have done without. Uh, Mick Foley went quiet after that for a minute. Yeah, he did. Um, he definitely did. Just sort of <laughs> a little awkward moment, but that was the one blemish I thought on Joey Style. It's a pretty big blemish, but that was the one the one blemish on styles that i had for the night otherwise very good very good job doing commentary yeah um no i agree um what do we have up next after mike awesome went over in that match of course we got the promo the promo of the night the promo that everyone remembers from this show paul e Heyman, aka paulie dangerously comes out and just Shoots on Raw, SmackDown, Bischoff, JBL, Edge. Everyone. <laughs> Absolutely scathing promo. Makes reference to Edge stealing Matt Hardy's girlfriend. The little Hydra Wives. It's Edge line was great. You screwed Matt come out, I believe, from the audience at that point. Oh, yeah. You sc- yeah, you screwed Matt, definitely. Um, saying that JBL was only champion for a year because Triple H didn't want to work Tuesdays, which is probably true. Yep. <laughs> Uh, and JBL played it off. I'll give him credit. He did not get that mad, which I would have gotten really mad if I was WWE champion for a year and was told it was only because someone better than me didn't want to work today. <laughs> I'd be pissed. I, I, I love the way Edge sold that, uh, Matt freaking Hardy, uh, line. He literally spit out his beer. Yeah. <laughs> Edge is very good at, um... Listen, that whole situation, um, which is a podcast for another day, but that whole situation was, it was a mess. Like, everything that happened with Edge, Leader, and Matt. Obviously, it was a very private situation that turned ultimately very public, but I'll give Edge his props, okay? he under- There was a mistake made, but Edge understands the business and he knows how to take something bad and turn it into something really good, if you yeah. understand what I mean. And and business-wise, that was a huge story and 
Edge knew how to sell it. He knew the role he had to play in it. And hey, props to Lita, props to Matt. Um, there was a lot of real emotion in there, but they're all fans of the business. And they all understand that they had to channel that and make it better for them all. So um, Yeah, we had a really great really great feud out of it too. Yeah, it was fantastic. I, it's always one I go and look back on. I think it's just because it's so real and there's so many, you know, 99.9% of that was all fact. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, nonetheless, this promo by Paul Heyman was just a shoot on the entire company and everyone that was standing up in that balcony. Um, really cool stuff. The EC fucking W um, to end it all with the throw of the mic, the mic drop, if you will. Um, just, I loved it. It is a promo that will never leave my brain. No, it's definitely like a last one of the one of the goat promos, one of the uh, one of the all time great promos I think in wrestling, and something that we're never gonna forget. Whenever we're gonna forget the night Paul Heyman ran down the entire WWE in the Hammerstein Ballroom in Manhattan. Yeah, it was um, just really, really. Just, yeah, like I said, a promo that will never leave my brain. Um, what was up next? It was the main event, of course. Yeah, the main event was just ECW at its absolute apex. We had Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman versus the Dudley Boys. Before the match even got started, and the men, <laughs> I'm surprised they got this match started at all, because almost immediately you had the Blue World Order coming out, then you had guys like Kid Cash, Balls Mahoney, uh, Axel Rotten, <laughs> just all coming out. It was just an absolute chaotic mess. Yep. 100%. And yep. <laughs> I just want to sh- quick shout out to Sandman, my favorite ECW wrestler of all time. <laughs> Literally because the dude comes out to the ring. He wasn't smoking a cigarette this time. I have a feeling WWE told him not to do that. <laughs> But he usually, he usually come out to the ring with a beer in hand, smoking a cig, crack the beer over his head, you make himself bleed, and just wasn't like, didn't really need to be that great in the ring. No. Because he was just awesome outside of it. No, he, Sandman was, listen, Sandman just needed to drink a beer, smoke a cigarette, be really cool, and hit people with a kendo stick, or a Singapore cane, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's all Sandman really needed to do. And that's all he really did yeah. do. He he was not that's a wrestling technician. That's literally what he did once this match got started. Once this match eventually got started, after a bunch of shenanigans, um, Axel Rotten and Balls Mahoney coming in with chairs, Kid Cash doing that sick dive to the outside. We finally got a match underway, and it was just, you know, cheese graters, ladders, tables, chairs. Everything you could possibly want out of an ECW hardcore match in one convenient location. Yep. It was brutal. It oh, was there bloody. Was spots. There was a lot of blood. There was, I believe, now correct me if I'm wrong, was there cheese graters in this match? Yes, there were. Um, used both on Tommy Dreamer and uh, Bubba Ray. Mm. <laughs> lovely, lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Oh, yeah. Definitely um, bring your five-year-old to this, this wrestling event because... Uh, it's very appropriate. Um, there was yeah, a definitely lot want to show the kids when they're growing up. You know, teach them about the way the business works. You got to show them this match. Oh yeah, and watch Tommy Dreamer's head just get grated to shreds. I remember. So when this event was 
live. Um, I would have been about 10 years old, 9 or 10 years old, and I remember my older brother getting this. We were after school. He had it on a VHS tape. Someone recorded it from him, or recorded it for him, and we watched it, and I just remember being like, what the fuck? Like, this is so intense. Like, as a nine-year-old, ten-year-old kid, um, it's pretty hectic. My brother was smiling ear to ear, and I was a bit horrified. Um, but watching it later, it's the coolest shit ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is aw- It is awesome. I'm a glutton for punishment, so. I love the stuff now. Like, I go back and watch ECW stuff now, and I'm like, this is so cool. I wish I was a teenager in those years. I, I really do, because... Imagine growing up and being able to go to school and talk to this with your friends about this ECW show or whatever it may have been. Um, but, hey, I guess that's what's good about the WWE Network. Absolutely. That's that's how a lot of people were introduced to ECW was through the network. You yeah. Know, recent ECW fans, myself included, really. I had seen this show. I had seen a couple other ECW shows in the past, but... The whole, having the whole catalog available to you is so cool. No, I agree completely. Um, really cool. Um, this match was, like you said, everything that ECW kind of stood for, this match had. Oh, yeah, you had everything. Um, there were more run-ins with uh, Francine and, of course, uh, one, of the names, one of the names that is synonymous for me with ECW as much as an RVD, a Sabu, a Sandman. Beulah McGillicuddy. Oh, yeah. Beulah was always there for uh, her wonderful husband. <laughs> yeah, her man, her man's Tommy. Tommy Dreamer, who I, just, I actually didn't just mention when I ran down those list of names that are synonymous with ECW. He's Tommy amazing, Dreamer yeah. is ECW. He is to me as well. Tommy Dreamer is everything ECW kind of embodies is Tommy Dreamer. Um, yeah. But Beulah is one that I always think about as well. She was always kind of that... That last little piece of the puzzle, if you will. She was always there. She took some brutal spots, too, in ECW's heyday. She was not afraid to take a spot. Oh, yeah. She had her neck broken and everything. She was, uh, yeah. She was, yeah. And like I mentioned, the next year, she was in that six-person Extreme Rules mixed tag team match. And, yeah, she took some spots. She, uh... She was the finish of that match, if you recall. Edge speared her and then dry humped her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was, oh my God, oh my God, yeah. He did, he speared her and he like dry humped her to pin her. Nice. <laughs> it was Good intense. stuff. <laughs> yeah, very, very yeah. rated R superstar of him. <laughs> oh yeah, the best Edge, the rated R superstar. Uh, listen, I kind of like, talking about ECW and that, like, I understand that there was a lot of things on PC about wrestling, uh, a lot of things, but I'm for that. It's entertainment. I'm for that. I like when entertainment for me goes where people are like, you can't go there. You can't say that. You can't do that. Wrestling used to be that. Wrestling isn't that anymore. Wrestling, especially WWE land is very by the book, very PC. Um, I guess it's the society we live in as well because everyone's just like, you can't do that, that's offensive, and you get sued or something. But wrestling was very un-PC, and if there's anything un-PC, it's ECW. <laughs> yeah. ECW did not adhere to the rules nope. of TV. Nope. 
Absolutely not. I guess that's it's why. I guess though. I guess that's probably why it ultimately fa- not failed. I wouldn't say it failed, but it ultimately didn't continue because yeah, it didn't, it didn't change with the times the way they kind of had to. Nope, and it's a shame. I w- it's it's always like I wonder what would happen, but I wonder what would have happened if ECW stuck around. Would they have fizzled out? Would they have changed? Who knows, really? But um. It was this show was really nice to go back and just be like, ah, yes, this was what it was and what the business used to be like. But also, just to let everybody know, the Dudley Boys did win this match um, with a power bomb through a flaming table. Yes, the perfect what, and it was Dreamer eating the pin, which is which was like the just Tommy Dreamer's whole embodiment yep. throughout ECW. Was a, he was a guy that lost a lot. He did. So it only made sense that in the main event of this pay-per-view, the last ECW show, as they n- knew it at the time, had to be Dreamer taking the pin. Yep. Dudley's got over Flaming Table. Just the end of a f- really fun show. It was a really, really good show. And if that was the end of ECW right there, the, the stamp, which I honestly consider the last true ECW show, the last, you know, real ECW show, I put yeah. a stamp on it there, and it's a fairy tale ending. Yep. I just think it was a really fun show. Um, you kind of alluded to it before, but what was your match of the night? Oh, Tanaka and Awesome. That's fair. It's not that awesome. Mine is Benoit and Guerrero. I love that match. Uh, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, think, I think that's probably a lot of people's favorite match. Yeah. Benoit and Guerrero. I love a good, just straight up technical masterpiece. And that was that. If I'm, to be honest with you, that was a pretty close to technical wise, perfect match. Yep. Um, but overall, I thought the show was really fun. I kind of liked the fact that we got to go back and watch this because it's so different to anything we see now. Oh yeah, it's just it's it's a it's a product of its generation. Yep, one hundred percent. Um, not really much else to say on that. Um, as we kind of wind down here on Reverb Rewind, um, I do got to talk about one piece of news that Brainbuster Radio announced this week. We have a new addition to the family, Kevin. We're 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 letting someone else in. Um, Headlock Talk will be coming next week, every Tuesday on Brain Buster Radio. Wilfred Watches moves to Mondays, um, along with Luke. Um, I'm actually going to be a guest on the first episode of Headlock Talk next week. Wow. I'm I'm excited about, very honored to be asked. Look Um, at you. I know, I'm, listen, you just, yeah, you can tell me how great I am, I'll happily listen. But, um... (laughs) Greatest. I, I am very, very excited to go on their show. And those boys are really cool. They're really funny dudes. If you haven't listened to their shows, um, you have a few days between now and Tuesday to go and get yourself familiar with um, Stephen and Tanner. And they're just really cool dudes and couldn't be happier that they're coming on to the family. Um, Kevin, are you excited about the new edition? Absolutely. I love Headlock Talk. I've, I've gone back and listened to a few of their shows now that I know that they're joining the family. And they bring a really unique spin on things to wrestling podcasts and i'm definitely so excited to have them on brain buster radio yeah couldn't have said it better myself um but as we kind of uh get ready to uh 
send us off here. Um, listen, this show to me, just overall, listen, I don't think it would work now, but if, if, if ECW was around right now, Kev, and it was the same, do you think as a society it would be ex- accepted? <sighs> it's tough. I think there'd be a lot more outcry against it, but I also think it would still have its its section of fans. Yeah, I think it would still have its um group of people that would be like, I love this, I live for this, this should be huge. But sponsor-wise, they couldn't even really get sponsors back then. Imagine trying to get a sponsor now. Yeah, that's that's the big thing, is that who's going to sponsor that? Um, you might find somebody. Hey, yeah. It's not saying you could. They might be able. To, they might be able to get more money out of it now than they would than they did back then. True, very true. Um, but overall, it was. I definitely don't call ECW a failure. It was a success um, for its years it that made it a, was. It made a wave. Yeah. It made a lasting, and that's how you measure success. Y- yeah, no joke. And I think a lot of ECW's influence. St- in a weird way, started the Attitude Era. They WWE literally took ECW and made it acceptable to the masses. They took that hardcore style and they used it a lot. You look at old WWF matches in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was street fight after street fight and they knew how to you know, harness what ECW kind of created and just make it acceptable to everybody. Yeah, basically kind of where it where it kind of come from, I think anyway, but um nonetheless, ECW will always be very very high regarded in my brain. I'll always love ECW and um hey, for anyone that's younger listening to this or that anyone that has never seen ECW, if you have the WWE network, which most of the audience that probably listens to this does, um please go back and watch some old ECW because it is a style of wrestling that exists, um, and it is a very big part of wrestling history. Definitely yeah. go back and and listen to EC, uh, listen, uh, watch ECW on the WWE Network, or just search it up on the internet. I'm sure you'll find it somewhere. Um, yeah, but- there's so many ways to watch wrestling now. You can go on YouTube probably and find some of the old stuff. Exactly. Um, but please, I. I- suggest that you go do it if you never have or if it's you know you're thinking oh this isn't too it's a bit too intense for me go back and search up some like um chris jericho matches some Rey mysterio matches uh benoit and guerrero um you'll find some pure wrestling that even today sometimes you don't find so please go back and watch some ecw that'll kind of do us for this week um anything you want to add kev Yes, Ooh. I do. Ooh. I want to plug something, Josh. Go for it, go for it. So we, so Headlock Talk isn't the only new thing we've, we're doing on uh, Brain Buster Radio. Because this week, two day, a few days ago in fact, we introduced Brain Buster Original Press. Our very own blog website. For writers who just want to write about wrestling, they want to share their opinions, to have takes on things. We're a, we're a very creative-based, opinion-based blog site, and we are we are welcome to anybody 
who wants to write about wrestling. Just want to get that out there. If anyone's listening out there, thinks they want to write or that they, they do write and they want to write about wrestling or they want a platform to share their work, uh, we'll take care of you. Brainbuster Radio, just DM me at Kevin C. Wrestling and I'll get you set up. Yeah, this is very much up in your wheelhouse, Kevin. Right? They're, they're, oh, yeah. It's very you. <laughs> long time, long time listeners will know that I'm a blogger. First and foremost, and that writing is in my wheelhouse, and it is my passion. And I'm looking so I'm so glad Wolf gave me the opportunity to sort of run with this. And I'm gonna do my best, and I know Wolf's gonna do his best to make sure this takes off. Yeah, it is. I hey, and to even plug even more about what Brainbus is doing, BBR TV is getting started yeah. very, very, very soon, and it's gonna be located on Twitch as well as YouTube. Um. And that's very much has been what I've been doing a lot of lately. So um, I kind of like that Brainbuster is becoming a little bit of a brand, if you will. Um, we're kind of branching out and seeing what we can do because we are more than just at this point. I, I this isn't a knock on podcast, but to me, Kevin Brainbuster members have more to offer than just a podcast. Yeah, that's what it's. We're we're the most multifaceted network there is, in my opinion. We are, we're in, we're doing TV, we're doing podcasts, we're doing writing, we're doing a little bit of everything. We're dipping our pen into a bunch of barrels of ink, and I can't wait to see these things take off and grow and prosper. Yeah, me too. I have a lot of ideas. Um, they're not all winners, but I, I do have a lot of ideas on what I want to do, not just for Brain Buster, for my own stuff as well, but um, I, I've been doing a lot of Twitch and stuff lately, and it's growing and growing. Like, it, it is kind of weird to me that people are starting to, um, I'll just speak for myself, but people are actually starting to be interested in what other things I have to offer other than just listening to my shows. Also, also, I do have to say, not to plug myself too much, but I've gotten a lot of love for diving in in these last couple of weeks. Oh, um, absolutely deserve It's... Diving in, to me, it is my, it is my other show. It, Reverb is my number one, and I love it. It's what kind of got me here. It's what made me expand to other things. But um, some of the stuff I've recorded for diving in, and um, it... I don't know, it's... Diving in is very different to this show, and I don't know, I've just gotten a lot of people kind of, I'm starting, I can feel the traction starting to pick up with it in the last couple of weeks, and people are going, oh, I really do like this show, like I'm getting a lot of people that I've never even interacted with on Twitter going, I just listened to Diving In, and it's like, wow, I, it's weird to me that it's kind of getting outside of my own little bubble, and it's a good thing, um, but just the fact that people want to come on and, and talk about everyone's kind of saying the same thing. I'm, I love wrestling and I love talking about wrestling, but it is nice to talk about something else. And I think that's why I like doing BBR TV and Twitch streaming. And like you with, um, writing, you don't just write about wrestling. You do have other avenues that you could write about. Um, we are multi-dimensional human beings, I guess. We do have more to offer than just wrestling. I, you know what? Like I, I always, I'm a, I'm very much a dreamer in, in terms of I set my goals fairly high. I, Tom, I I want this, all of this that I'm doing right now, podcasts, YouTubing, 
Twitch streaming. I want that to be my full-time job. One day. I would love that to be... I work to make this big. And I know that's a lot of people would be listening to that and going, that will never happen. But to me, I can see that happening. And I want it to happen. So why not work for it? You're probably the same as me, Kevin. Yeah, for sure I am. I'd love this to be my life. Yeah. It's it's fun. It's not work. But I, I spend a, a lot of my free time is working towards making everything I do better. I spend a lot of hours at a computer recording and making, um, whether it's writing stuff for a fantasy booking, whether it's... Um, working on intros and outros for podcasts, whether it's obtaining guests or getting Twitter reactions or making YouTube videos or filming YouTube videos or making overlays for Twitch or um, working on um, computer work to get to work on Twitch or whatever it may be. I'm spending the time that I don't work in my day job on a computer doing this stuff and then that spare time that I do have is watching wrestling with my mind in this is stuff I'm going to talk about on a podcast. <laughs> so my kind of life is kind of spinning around this and that's not a complaint. I love do- doing all of this. Um, and it's just nice to find a group of people that want the same thing, I guess. Yeah. it's We're, we're a collective of, got, of like-minded individuals. Yeah. And it's just really fun. Um, it is just really fun to me. Like even saying this, I'm smiling ear to ear because I just love doing what I'm doing. <laughs> so um, I don't really see it slowing down, at least on my end, anytime soon. <laughs> nah, me neither. But um, that'll th- that will now do us for um this week's episode. I hope everyone please go and subscribe on Brainbuster Radio or on um this feed as well. Find me on Twitter, Josh Robinson Double Zero. That's basically where you'll find me everywhere. Kevin, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, like I said, at Kevin C Wrestling. That's uh, at Kevin C Wrestling, to repeat. <laughs> you can find my blog at uh, thelastbloggerstanding.wordpress.com. Uh, fair warning, most of my wrestling content will be moving to BBR op- Original Press. I'll definitely keep my reviews, previews, and my interviews over on the blog. And I will also keep my mental health work on the blog. So I'm not, I'm not going away from the last blog you're standing. I'm just putting my attention to a new venture right now. Yeah, that's basically... Um, you can find all of the links. Um, I'll put a link to Brainbuster's link tree in the description. And you'll see it when we get this episode posted. And you can just go to Brainbuster Radio on Twitter or on Facebook. Um, don't forget Facebook and um, Instagram. And we're kind of everywhere at this point. Um, make sure you subscribe to Brainbuster on YouTube as well as Kevin's YouTube and my YouTube because we're doing all different kinds yeah. of stuff. Um, we are all expanding. We're going to be a part of Brainbuster as well as us doing our own kind of things as well. I know that you were kind of doing some live streaming and stuff as well and Periscope and that. Um, I do that sometimes. Um, you know, it is kind of nice that we have different avenues and, you know, you're live on YouTube while I'm live on Twitch and we've got something for everybody. We do. We literally are covering all the bases for people. You can go anywhere and you can find Brainbuster Radio. Our, our influence is reaching farther and further out, and that's the way it should be. Yep, I agree. Um, but we'll catch you guys next week on Wrestling Reverb. 
or wherever you're kind of listening to us on or seeing us on, you'll see us throughout the week. Don't worry. We make wrestling interesting again. <laughs> um, but yep. peace, peace out, everyone. We'll see you guys next week. Hi, everyone. It's the Queen of NE, and you're listening to Wrestling Reverb right here on Brain Buster Radio, where you can also find me on Queen's Court every Wednesday.